So you're thinking about running, but not sure how to take the first step. My name's Brian Patterson, and I'm here to help. And welcome to Brian's Rompod. Thank you very much for listening to the past episodes if you have been if you haven't if you're new to this my name's brian patterson and this is brian's rompod today we're going to be talking about tempo runs what are they and how do they benefit us as beginners plus in today's episode we are also going to talk about one of the icons of track and field and you may have heard of him anyway what are tempo runs tempo runs are known as threshold runs and can help you run faster for longer. Tempo runs are a training technique that increases your anaerobic threshold so your body adapts to performing at a higher intensity comfortably. This intensity can be longer distance or faster paced. Why is it important? Well, it's very good for your cardiovascular fitness levels and dictate of how far or how hard you can run. Tiring easily is an indicator that your muscles aren't getting the oxygen they need when they need it. Or it could be a sign that your body isn't officially clearing lactic acid. Now, what is lactic acid? Well, lactic acid is a metabolic byproduct created when you train in an anaerobic heart rate zone. What is meant that is that when you work very intensively, you create lactate. For instance, if you're using a saw to cut something and you feel that the burn in your arms, or if you're plastering a ceiling and you feel the burn in your shoulders, that is a lactate buildup. Anaerobic means without oxygen and can be contrasted with aerobic running, which means with oxygen. Usually at Basically, between 80% or more of your heart rate max, you switch energy systems and you need energy faster than the rate at which you can deliver oxygen. So, why is too much lactate acid bad? First and foremost, lactic acid has had a bit of a bad rap. Lactic acid helps your body produce energy without oxygen. But too much lactic acid can be detrimental. However, the fitter you are, the better you are at clearing lactate. So going back to our DIY analogy, the fitter you are, the faster you can soar. How can you help your body clear lactate more efficiently? Well, the answer is lactate clearance training. Tempo runs are one type of workout that achieves this. So what are tempo runs? A tempo workout is a continuous run that requires sustained effort. Instead of a light jog at an easy pace, you'll be pushing your body, getting your heart rate up and testing your stamina. Be ready as it's going to be a, isn't going to be an easy session, so you will be running at a higher intensity. It's different from interval training. Instead of stopping and starting in repetitions, you'll be continuously running for maybe 20 to 30 minutes. What's the difference or between tempo versus interval training. 
in general, interval training is used to improve maximum oxygen consumption, what's often called as VO2 max. When you perform intervals, you're getting close to the no-talk zone, where you can only utter a few words. On the other hand, tempo training is used to increase that lactate threshold, so more on that later. So what are the benefits of tempo runs? As I said, it improves lactate clearance. When the lactate is cleared efficiently, your muscles aren't forced to try and work through an acidic environment with delayed energy production. It improves cardiovascular fitness. For runners, incorporating a tempo worker into their training plan can quickly develop a cardiovascular fitness. Specifically, it can improve your VO2 max, cardiac output and endurance. Basically, you're training at a higher intensity and a byproduct of that is a much more cardi- much more improved cardiovascular fitness. It also improves race day speed. A landmark study that informed that the tempo running technique found that running at a tempo pace, something they called OBLA, onset of blood lactate accumulation, increased race day speed. The researchers of the study, which was published in the European Journal of Applied Physiology and Occupational Psychology, uh, physiology, asked a group of runners to run at onset of blood lactate accumulation for 20 minutes. After doing these runs as a workout once a week for 14 weeks, the runners saw their average OBLA paces drop by 4%. In other words, that means there's a slowing of lactate acid accumulation, allowing the runners to run faster for longer. So how do you get to your tempo pace? Well, make another measure of the pace at which you can run an hour long hour long race. This might be your 10k race pace or the fastest pace you can maintain for an hour. Now, I appreciate not everyone can run an hour. I would include this type of training once you're comfortable with running 45 minutes or more. Or as a beginner, start with no more than 10 to 15 minute runs at a very comfortably hard pace. How much is too much? If you do too much tempo training, you could cause yourself a little bit of an injury. So obviously make sure you do warm up and cool down. Do too few tempo runs and you'll not reap the benefits. Best to do, I would say, once a week um, in the advanced stages of your training. So what are the potential roadblocks for running tempos? If your training pace is an easy pace and your tempo run pace are similar, you have options you'll want to look at. My suggestion is to slow down your easy pace. If every run feels tough or hard to complete, it's most likely because you are training at too fast a pace. By slowing down your training runs, you offer your body the chance to recover before your next hard or long day. If all your runs are too fast, your body will not recover and you'll probably be more susceptible to injuries or sickness. Not only that, but by slowing your pace down on your easy runs, you'll be able to run further on each run and be able to build more stamina that way. Now, there is a running calculator you can use, which is called a VDOT, a running calculator. 
um, I will include a link in the show notes. Um, and again, um, this was one developed by uh, uh, someone we've talked about before, a guy called uh, Jack Daniels. So this is an online calculator to judge what pace you should be running at. This might be useful for those that have run for a bit and need guidance as to the right place, pace for the different types of training you're going to be doing. So the chart will help define your training. So you will help dictate which pace you should do for the tempo run and the intervals. For instance, I want to run a, a 10K in an hour and six minutes. And I put this into the calculator and it tells me that I should run my tempo runs at 619 pace. So that's 619 per kilometer pace. And intervals for 400 should be done at 2 minutes 14 pace. So um, as I said, it's, it's very much a guide to your training. Um, there may be other factors uh, you may sort of want to take into consideration. But um, uh, I've, I have done my training uh, in accordance with these times and it does kind of work out. So just to recap, it improves lactate clearance, improves cardiovascular fitness. The more you prepare yourself as to how fast you are going to go in the race, the better for you. For my training, I do two times 1500 metres with one minute rest. And I'd normally do a one kilometre warm up and a one kilometre cool down. Now, in terms of the pros and cons of where you do your tempo runs, on a treadmill, well, the advantage would be you've got consistent split times and also consistent terrain. Um, disadvantage is, is it could potentially be boring. So make sure that you've got some good music to listen to or if it's a treadmill with a TV screen, uh, just make sure it's on, I don't know, your favourite programme or maybe a, a really good film. On the track, um, the advantage is, again, splits are consistent uh, every 400 metres to ensure you're on the pace. Uh, disadvantage may be it could, again, potentially be boring and no variation to simulate your racing because you're just going round in circles. Then um, on the road, the advantage can be sort of challenging with undulating efforts. Um, and again, it would simulate a race situation for you. Um, disadvantages would be um, you really have to gauge your run by effort um, even if you have a sort of a GPS watch but possible inconsistent splits although I may have said it before on the Apple watch and probably on other smart watches that um, Android watches or Garmin's then they will be able to tell you as to when you're going above or below the required uh, split time. So if you set it to 6 minutes 20 for a particular split time, it may give an audio signal that you're going over that or going below that particular audio, uh, that particular pace. So which I um, I think is really cool, keen, uh, really good feature. So as I said, you know, maybe do either one of those things, uh, either one of those terrains, treadmill on the track, mix it up, 
Now on to a very new section. It's not tip of the week, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at famous running icons. Well, this week we're going to be talking about Bill Bowerman. Now, that may name may not be familiar to you. Um, he was born in 1911 and died in 1999. As I said, the name may not be familiar, but you will certainly know his brand or the company he developed. He's one of the most famous running coaches in the world. Uh, Bill Bowerman is most famous for being the co-founder of Nike. He famously said, if there are limits to what we can do, I don't know what they are. Over his career, he trained 31 Olympic athletes, 51 All-Americans, 12 American record holders, 22 NCAA champions and 16 sub four minute milers. So he kind of knew what he was talking about. Born in Portland, Oregon, Bauman's father, Jay, was a former governor, and his mother, Elizabeth, had grown up in Fossil. His family had moved to Eugene, uh, Eugene when he became the head coach at his alma mater, the University of Oregon, on the 1st of July, 1948. At the University of Oregon, Bauman disliked being called a coach. He saw himself as more of a teacher. He expected his squad to excel in the classroom and urged his charges to apply the lessons they learned on the track to everyday life. Bauman created a training program for adjusting athletes to the high altitude that they would experience at the 1968 Mexico City Olympic Games. Although one of his charges... Jim Ryan would lose out to Kip Kano in the 1500 metre final. Bauman got into running when, in a tr- on a trip to New Zealand, he was introduced to the concept of running as a fitness routine, including people of an advanced age, through a running club organised by his friend and coaching colleague, Arthur Lydiard. Bauman brought this concept back to the United States and band- began to write articles and books about running. He was also created a running program in Eugenie that became a national model for fitness programs. In 1966, along with the cardiologist W.E. Harris, Bauman published a 90-page book titled Jogging. The book sold over a million copies and was created with the ignite was recredited to igniting the jogging phenomenon in the United States. Well. As I said, he was the co-founder of Nike. In 1964, Bauman entered into a handshake agreement with a man named Phil Knight, who had been a miler under him in the 1950s, to start an athletic footwear company, distribution company called the Blue Ribbon Sports, later known as Nike Inc. Nike managed the business end of the partnership, while Bauman experimented with improvements in athletic footwear design. According to Otis Davis, a student athlete 
who Bauman coached at the University of Oregon, who later went on to win two gold medals at the 1960 Summer Olympics. He was one of the guinea pigs for whom Bauman customised shoes prior to being the co-founder of Nike. Davis states, I didn't like the way they felt on my feet. There was no support and they were just too tight. Bauman's design ideas led to the creation of a running shoe in 1966 that was ultimately made the Nike Cortez. In 1968, which quickly became a top seller and remains one of Nike's most iconic footwear designs. Bauman designed several Nike shoes, but is best known for ruining his wife's Belgian waffle iron. In 1970 or 1971, experimenting with the idea of using the waffle iron rubber to create a new sole for the footwear that would grip but be very lightweight. Bauman's design inspiration led to the introduction of the so-called moon shoe in 1972, so-called because the waffle tread was said to resemble the footprints footprints left left by the astronauts on the moon. While Bauman was experimenting with the shoe design, he worked in a small, unventilated space, using glue and solvents with toxic components that causing him severe nerve damage. The nerve damage to his lower legs left him with significant mobility problems. As Kenny Moore notes in his book, Bauman and the Men of Oregon Bauman had rented himself unable to run in the shoes that he had given the world. Bauman was obsessed with shaving weight off athletes' running shoes. He believed that the custom-made shoes would weigh less on the feet of his runners and cut down on blisters, as well as reduce the overall drag in the energy for every ounce he could remove from the shoe. By his estimation, running... Removing one ounce, 28 grams, from a shoe based on a six-foot gait for a runner would translate in the reduction of 55 pounds, or 25 kilos, of lift over a one-mile, 1.6-kilometre span. Bauman reduced his role in the company in the late 1970s and began passing down his stake in the company to other employees shortly before the IPO launched. His legacy... Well, Bauman is a member of the National Distance Running Hall of Fame, the USA National Track and Field Hall of Fame, the Oregon, Oregon Sports Hall of Fame, and the Oregon's Athletics Hall of Fame. The R, the RRCA Distance Running Hall of Fame, and the National Inventors Hall of Fame. His statue and stopwatch grace the northwest corner of Hayward Field, home of the Prefontaine Classic at the University of Oregon. A biographical film without limits about the relationship between record-breaking distance runner Steve Prefontaine and his coach Bill Bowerman was made in 1998. And and, and Bill Bowerman was played by Donald Sutherland. I will provide a link in the show notes to a brief trailer that you can see on YouTube. Now you're probably thinking to yourselves, where did the logo come from? The swoosh? Well, as I said, Bill Bowman and Phil Knight founded Nike on the 25th of January, 1964 as Blue Ribbon Sports. If I didn't say that, then I do apologize. Anyway, they changed its name to Nike on the 30th of May, 1971. 
The company adopted the swoosh as its official logo the same year. Uh, Caroline Davidson, a student at the Portland State University, during the the uh, during her time there, knew Knight knew Knight and created the logo, attempting to convey the emotion in its design. Today, it's become one of the most recognisable brand logos in the world, and is the most valuable, having having a worth of twenty six billion alone. Davidson started as a journalism major, but switched to design after taking a design course to fill an empty elective. She attained a bachelor's in graphic design in 1971. It was there that she met Phil Knight, who was at the time teaching accounting classes at the university. Knight had overheard that Davidson was in search of extra funds for her take oil painting classes, so he offered to pay Davidson to do some freelance work for his company then named Blue Ribbon Sports, BRS. Knight offered to pay Davidson $2 per hour, about $14 in today's uh, money, for the work that she completed. He had asked Davidson to make sure the stripe, a term for a a logo, uh, conveyed motion and did not look similar to the three stripes of Adidas. They ultimately selected the mark, now known globally as the swoosh, and the shape was inspired by the wings of a Greek goddess, Nike. Anyway, what I might do, I might revisit the subject of the tempo run in future episodes so that we kind of get a bit of a better understanding of how this can be incorporated into our training and how it can benefit us um, as runners. Um, those who are just starting out in this journey or those who have uh, been running for a while. So anyway. And that's a wrap for another exhilarating episode of Brian's Run Pod. Thanks for tuning in, folks. As always, we've got your back with all things running. And next week, get ready for some awesome beginner hints and tips to kickstart your running journey. Oh, and before we sign off, exciting news. We're now available on YouTube, so whether you're pounding the pavement or chilling at home, you can catch us there too. Plus, we have a new feature on the podcast. You can now send me a message. Yep, you heard it right. Brian's Rompod has become interactive with the audience. If you look at the top of the episode description, tap on send us a text message. You can tell me what you think of the episode or alternatively what you would like covered. If you're lucky, I might even read them out on the podcast. Hey, if you want to keep up with the latest updates, behind the scenes fun and even some exclusive content, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter or should I say X at Brian's Rompod. We've also just launched a shiny new Facebook page. Simply search for Brian's Rompod and give us a like. And don't forget to hop on over to Instagram where you can catch all our visual adventures at Brian's Rompod. For those of you who love diving deep into the episodes, head over to our website www.brianesrompod.co.uk and there you'll find detailed show notes, handy chapter markers, make it too easy to navigate through our favourite discussions. Please leave a review as it will always help find others find this podcast. Music is by Happy Days by Stock Audio, not forgetting artwork by Alice Patterson. Till next week, thanks again for listening. 